Hello, welcome to You Haven't Blanked That. I'm Forrest. And this is Jimmy. going so we are gonna be talking about sandman yeah everybody so this is one of the our first neil book that we're reading oh this is our first neil gaiman book ever i mean i brought you neil gaiman's a game with this series oh you do you you, you do and you have (laughs) so i mean especially for a writer for like i figured this is pulling on all your strings right now well i've tried this before because i'm a huge neil fan and i just never got to finish it Okay. Um, I and I would start it and then babies. Oh yeah. And then I just didn't have time to like I just didn't have time to finish it. So I was able to and then I couldn't find everything after like I'd, I'd start it and then not be able to finish it and then I wouldn't find be able to find things again and then the library apps and Amazon had them. Yeah. So and not, so I was able to like get through get through it all finally. Yeah. No. And the thing too, it's like and I'm I mean, upset that it took me this long to do it. And the thing too, it's like. Uh, we're going to be covering four of the the four volumes four in this volumes. one, so it's going to be what are we doing? We're Preludes and Nocturnes, The Dollhouse, Dream Country, and Season of Mist. Mm-hmm. Those are hefty long stories on their own, yeah. and like so, yeah. I'm actually super excited to talk to you about all these. Just for all the uh, listeners who aren't sure about who the Sandman stories are about, it's about uh, Dream, the actual embodiment being of dreams, and his. Uh, brothers and sisters yeah essentially and uh so the main character is dream uh who goes by different names uh but mainly morpheus is probably morpheus, the yeah dream. morpheus uh sphere yeah they go, there's a bunch of yeah them. there's a bunch of them but so uh let's kind of just first what's your first impression on the first four volumes of these the first and he even says that he's still trying to like pick up his page, you know, pick up where, you know, what it was about and everything. So the first, like, issue, and I think that's why it took me a couple months, the first issue was daunting. Yeah, I feel like they could have broken it up into two. Yeah, I can see that. It's, 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 it's a good 40-something pages that they could have broken up into two. Um, and so that took me a little while. The first, so it's, it takes a few issues for the first volume to pick up. Yeah. But once it picks up, like, it's great. Like, once you get to the, is it, like, issue three when they're in the, the diner, or is it four? Oh, yeah, the, the diner, the midnight hour, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's issue four, I think. So that one, like, once that starts getting going with that, that's when I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. Oh, yeah, and it's amazing, too. Like, the way, like, you think these stories don't intertwine half the time when they start off, and you're like, I don't get what the point is, but oh, eventually everything. they'll get there, and it's like, the character development in all these stories, I think, are amazing. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's amazing. Death is one of my favorite beings in this whole book, and she's one of the endless. And yeah. That's, uh, she's older sister to uh, Dream. And I feel like a lot of these, like, a lot of this stuff, and a lot of the stuff with his 
with like the sisters, like with with death and all the other siblings that are the delirium and desire. Sorry, yeah, I always feel like that's like him kind of like letting out his steam with his family. Oh, okay. He's a great writer. Uh huh. So it's either those are conversations he's had, or he's just so. I mean, I'm sure he, I know he's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those just sound perfect. They sound very authentic conversations that you would have with your older sister, despite your older sister being death and you being dreamed. So it's one of the most human conversations in a comic book ever. I feel. Um, okay, so let's just kind of go over the, f- the stories, right, from mm-hmm. the beginning. Do you have any notes on the first book for us? Do you want to lead off on this, or do you want me to lead this? Uh, well, I was I read the books, and I'm also uh, rereading. Uh, I'm reading the Sandman Companion that goes with it. Oh, that's so cool. So there's kind of like some background stuff. So issues one through uh, issues number one and six. Uh-huh. Are actually named after Elvis Costello songs. Oh, really? Yes. I had no idea about that. Yes. Ooh, little uh, side. Hold on. Sleep little side. Justin waiting for the end of the world. Okay. Little side note. So I'm a huge fan of like artists, comic book artists. Yeah. So this one, it's uh, the main artist for this one was the same guy that did uh, the Max. Remember the? Yes. Yes. I remember yeah. The Max. So basically, he got burnt out doing the Sandman, trying to follow Neil Gaiman's like vision. That he was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out, and he dipped out. And so the, the inker had to step up as the main artist for this. Oh, nice! And then like, even he got burnt out out of like with the mm-hmm. how much flow of the comic was going at. So he had to dip out. So at this point, Neil Gaiman had to ask artists to come in as a special artist to just draw yeah. his comic books. And then he just realized like, oh, this is dumb. I should have artists whose style that I like match the story. So later on, you'll see like the first issue is kind of very kind of basic and it's still great art, but as the series goes on with, towards the very end, they just get wilder and crazier because it's dream and like so everyone's vision of dream is like being like yeah. portrayed. So that was a cool little antidote as like as a reader when I was younger, why I love this so much. But Something yeah, like so Morpheus was being held by this old guy who has this grimorum and like he's trying to capture death so he could live forever but accidentally catches dream mm-hmm. and dream is at a weakened state that it was able for him to get caught and we don't get into that till like to the last to, to the, the literally the last, last issue. issue yeah being that this guy is pissed off that like you know he wants to live forever and he's trying to like bend dream to his will dreams just sits in a little bubble for like 70 years and in that meantime there's that whole sickness going out where everybody's like in comas and then you got people that like are in like forever awake and it's just like it's fucking with the real world but i like how in this series the sandman there was a sandman back in like the 1940s and they kind of bring into play like how he exists and how he's still like in the universe at the dc yeah. Because like it shows that with the lack of a Sandman, the universe tries to correct itself by introducing a new Sandman. He wasn't the real entity of Dream, so like he had to go away. But was it because he wanted to get more people to read the comic? So he he wanted he he's like oh, you only put superheroes in there, you uh, attract more people to a horror comic. Oh, okay, because cool. It's because kind of a horror comic. Oh, it, for it, sure. It kind of hits everything. Yeah, because like the, we have the JLA in this later on. And like and then like uh, we also have Martian Manhunter who's in it, and then uh, John D, crazy John D, and the Scarecrow's yeah. in this too. Yeah. Like yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, because well, he goes they 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 go to Arkham at one point. Yeah. So like uh, Dream finally gets released, like in like in the eighties. There was just a lack of watching him, and then one of the guards fell asleep at his watch, and he was able to break free from like his imprisonment. 
he ended up torturing the guy, the grandson or the son of the guy who oh, captured right, him, yeah. and cursed him with like the living, uh, living wake, right? Yeah. And then made him like forever being a dream, but always constantly waking up from like a like a nightmare. Yeah. So at that point, dreams tokens have been stolen. So his helm, his pouch, oh, his- and the ruby, and the ruby is part of his soul that like he's like pulled apart from himself. This is where that whole John D story takes place. So John D is a character in the DC universe who um, he infects dreams and like he like manipulates dreams and like how Neil Gaiman gave him the ruby to like you know to do that. So like it's not really John D's ruby; it's more dreams ruby. And so like it ties why they're together. And then this the whole first volume is about Morpheus. Trying to go th- going through hell to get his yeah his and helm you back. See Nada for the first time. Oh, you see Nada for the first time. That's uh, that's a character who, in the first volume, we see her just locked in the prisons of hell, yeah. begging for like Morpheus to let her out, and he ignores her. And yeah. like it's a uh, it's so good. I and know. the way that they write these characters are very kind of throwaway. Well, maybe we'll get back to them. Maybe we won't. But like every person you meet has a rich kind of like pull to them. You know I mean, yeah. and that's what I really like about these stories. So John Constantine is, and that was a bummer too. That whole like house, that they the whole in. house, and that was like somebody that John Constantine loved. Yeah. And then she was just so heartbroken that she was living in a dream world with Morpheus, the Sandman's like sand. Yeah. And like it's just like, and her father was that living room that she just blew apart, and like yeah, yeah, and then all, and then dreams are slowly just like coming out of the dream, the dreaming, and like affecting like the real world. And yeah. then like Morpheus, like as a character, he's kind of a dick. Like you know what I mean? Morpheus. What I like about this character, and I'll get into more in the second volume, is that he's not always the hero. He's not the hero. He's not always the hero. Yeah. I mean, I think in this one he is. Like they do a good job of him. You know, in this one it's his quest. He's yeah. the hero of his quest. You see him break imprisonment. Gain all his power back, and then like it's him just sulking at the end. You know what I mean? He's uh, he's kind of a dick because Nada, the woman that we see in hell, is there because of him, and we don't know as to why at this point. We could see little hints that he's not a kind dude. You know what I mean? Morpheus gets his pouch back from with Constantine. He has he, to go to hell. He has to go to hell because Martian Manhunter told him uh, where he had to go to get, like, you know, his helmet. And then, yeah. So then he has to have a reality fight with one of the demons in front of Lucifer. Yeah. And Lucifer is no longer, like, the king of hell. It's now, like, an equal ruler of three different, it's like, a, entities. It's, it's kind of like Mighty Python and the Holy Grail, where they're a self-perpetuating autocracy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's like everybody has a turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, like, yeah, so I think even the demons in hell are actually referenced to, like, real demons. So, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Mean, so there's a little side note. Uh, Azrael, the pinecone-looking demon, yeah. whatever. So I read a lot of, like, near-death experiences online when I'm bored. And um, a lot of people have claimed to have been in the presence of that pine cone type of a thing. It's like a tornado with many eyes, with yeah. many limbs, and a lot of like children have s- spent time with Azrael, like collecting souls that are hiding in like the blackness. And it's kind of a weird little thing. Maybe you should cut this out because it's so weird. But no, it's okay. We'll keep it in. It's, yeah, yeah, it fits with the comic. Yeah. So, um, so when I saw that he was in the comic when in high school I was like holy shit like, this is pretty fucking badass like the, they're actually pulling in actual real demons into this 
or real names of like different things. But yeah, so he ends up having a fight with that one lowly demon, and then they have that reality fight and whatever. And then, so he gets his home back, and then I believe the next issue after that is actually my favorite one. That's the one you were mentioning earlier. The twenty four hours. The twenty four hours. Yeah. That one's dope because it starts off randomly like we have Morpheus fighting in hell and mocking Lucifer as he's walking out. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, oh, you know, that's a dick move, but still badass. You know what I mean? But then the next, very next issue is just a diner. And this lady talking about how she's a writer and how she's like, oh, she sees a lesbian. She goes, don't worry. In my mind, she's married to somebody else and they have a couple kids and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's actually a quote in there. It's, um, she talks about how all better stories have a happy ending. And, and she says that that's because she knows where to stop. She's realized that the problem is that with, with stories is if you keep going long enough, they end in death. Yeah. And, like, it, it's such a great scene, too, because, like, as you're watching the panels, there's, like, the teenage boy who's got uh, this boy that's has a job interview, and then, like, you got this couple that's coming in that love each other, and then, like, you know, he's got a lot of money, so the, there's, you get to see all these different characters. This is normal restaurants. Like, yeah. you know, it's a greasy spoon. And then in the background of some of these panels, you just see this dark shadow, like, sitting in a booth. And then you realize, oh, okay, and, like, when you get down to it, you realize that's Dr. Destiny. That's... Dr. D. Yeah, yeah. John D., who's just hiding yeah. in the corner with his ruby, just manipulating everybody. Because you realize, like, these people, as much as they want to get out, they're trapped in, like, John D.'s web. And, like, he's keeping them for his own, like, play amusement thing. Mm-hmm. And it just... That story gets dark super quick. Yeah. Because, like, at one point, uh, you get the the girl who's fighting with her girlfriend... And then, like, you know, so she's trying to come back, you know, make up with her. And then she sits back down. Then you get the guy, the trucker that comes in, who's end up having an affair with, like, the, the lady. And then, yeah. like, everybody is going off. And then John D just sends them all into madness. And then, like, it's just basically they're, like, animals. Then they're fucking. Then they gouge out their eyes. And they sacrifice themselves to John D. Yeah. And then, like, a dick John D just, like, fucking gives them, like, a moment of clarity. And they all just are just devastated what they've done and then he brings them back into madness and it's just like what the fuck is going on in this story and at the very end uh fucking after almost everyone's dead except for like two of the people left uh Morpheus walks in and demands for his ruby back and then John D challenges him to like yeah to the dreamscape to like fight for it and then that's where like fucking Morpheus is just like fighting with John D and then but John D corrupted the ruby with his own like power yeah. so like it, it's attacking Morpheus back so he can't really just get it get a handle of the whole thing but prior to this whole like scene with the diner and everything my favorite scene with uh Dr. Dr. D was when he was in the car with that woman remember oh yeah and, and he's like he's driving he's like oh my gosh do you have a gun blah 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 he goes my husband's in the mob like you know if you kill me he'll kill you and at the very end you feel like they build a connection and they yeah. feel like they have like kind of a thing and you feel like once she drives him to the location she's gonna go free and John Dee's like no nah, fuck you he goes is your husband really in the bomb she goes no and he goes it doesn't really matter anyways I still was gonna kill you and he just fucking kills her right then and there which is a shock because at this point in the story it's still like a a light hearted kind of like weird story it's not really light hearted though I mean, there's some dark shit that- there's some but at that point of the story it's still kind of light you know what I mean but actually, in the beginning of that issue, before he gets into that thing, when he leave, mm-hmm. leaves Arkham, uh, the Scarecrow's in there, remember? And yeah. he's hung himself. And then that's where you're like, this is not your everyday comic book anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, yeah. these are some serious tones that are coming in here. But, yeah, so he ends up fighting John D for the Ruby. 
Um, and John D wins. Like he like kills him like with his own ruby, and then but John D is forced to break the ruby to like to win. To win, but by breaking the ruby in the dream in the dreaming, it all that power goes right back to Morpheus, and he becomes even stronger than what he was. Yeah. And so like at that he point, didn't need the ruby. he didn't need the ruby anymore, and then he like becomes becomes dream, and then yeah. punishes. Uh, John D. John D. and sends him back to Arkham, and like that was a cool little move. And then the Riddler's there saying like, "I knew you'd be back." You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was a cool ending to like that little series. But damn, that is such a weird like just scape of like where it's at. But the best part of this whole first volume is the ending. Issue eight. Issue eight. It's like my that's my favorite issue. Of because this story, uh, Neil Gaiman didn't know whether he was gonna have where it was going to end he figured he was just going to have this one run and he was going to end it there so that's why it kind of has like a very final like ending to it but that's where he's sitting down and he has that moment with dream or no not dream with but death. Uh, with death and she pops in and you don't really know who she is and then like dream is just sulking thinking that he wished he'd had he got his revenge but it wasn't right because he didn't punish the right people because they were already dead and like so it was just yeah him just being a sad sap and then uh at this point, this is where Death tells Dream, I have to get going. I have to keep, I have to do my walk job. With walk with me. And then so we're seeing Death do her, like, do job. Her, make her rounds. Yeah, and it's a trip because, like, the people that she takes, you're just like, fuck. And then, like, she has that moment with that kid in the, with the playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, Franklin, I'll see you later. And then she, like, he's like, oh, she knew my name. And then, like, but then it's it meets the comedian that died on stage with the electrocution, yeah. and then it has with that old Russian violinist that they have. And he's like, "What did I get?" That's the that's the one that, that Kevin Smith was always quoting. The what do I get? He goes, "She goes, oh, you get what everybody got. You you got a lifetime." Yeah, and then like I like how he says his like his prayer, and he says like I say this prayer. My dad said if you always say that prayer, you'll go to heaven. And he goes, "Where do I go?" He goes. You go wherever Nas goes. Like I just take you to that, and then like so, it's a very yeah. cool moment. And you're seeing like how death works, and then like I like how they just hit you with a gut punch when it goes to the mother with the baby, mm-hmm. and the mother goes to warm the milk, and then death takes the baby, and then like even the baby goes like that's all I get, yeah, that's all it is. You know what I mean, and then like you move forward, you're like shit, and like it's like it's you're hitting like these real moments, and you see the mother's reaction to the baby dying, and then at the very end, like you know, Dream kind of just remembers who he is, and like why he's doing things and things still need to continue and then like it just it leaves with such a very like somber positive thing for everybody and then like that's the first issue when I saw Dream where I was like damn like this is super cool and Neil Gaiman said in one of his interviews that he created Dream that way because he wanted to break the mold from like yeah the because what's that uh, writer Terry Pratchett Pratchett did the whole skeleton death as as far as he could take it you know what I mean so he wanted to do what he would like to see when he dies and so that's why Dream is that way but Dream is actually designed after I believe one of his friends or his writers one of the artist's girlfriends at the time okay that's Dream or Death Death that's what she that's what she looked like so he drew the girl he was banging to look like Death because she was hot she figured oh this is Death and uh, Neil Gaiman saw and goes yeah 100% that's her so let's move forward and so I thought it was pretty dope and then, yeah, so that's the end of, uh, that's the, end of the, the first one, Previews yeah. uh, Nocturnes, The Dollhouse. The Dollhouse, is, now this is what I was talking about, where I don't feel like 
dream so he's the hero and this one he's totally the villain in this, this series oh this one. especially this one too yeah because he does a lot of shit because now he's got his power back so he can do stuff so this one starts off with the girl rose right and her mother is well no it doesn't start off with that remember oh. it starts off with the african folk tale that's right okay so yeah so now this is like the first issue where uh dc was like okay hey fyi we loved what you're doing Profits have been soaring, so go dude, go dude. to town, do whatever you yeah. want to do, and so. And he brings out an African folktale. Like, and, and, dude, and this folktale is amazing because it starts off with like these like this, this kid and was the, the grandfather, grandfather, right? Yeah. And they're walking into the desert, and he tells them like, "Okay, like this is part of your ritual. You need to go and find something and bring it back, and we'll start the story." And then you're like, and "He's like, what do I need to find?" He goes, "You'll see it when you when you." You'll know when you see it. Yeah, yeah and then he, he comes back with the shard, and then he tells his story that happened. Before the dawn of men, right? Like uh, right, uh, the, right in the beginning. Yeah. But it was like this beautiful civilization in the desert, where everything was made of like glass. And then he talks about the princess Nada, from the first storyline, from the first storyline, who's locked in hell, and we see how she got there. Is that he wanted to marry her and be with her, and yeah. she like she liked him, but then she found out what he was and didn't want to. Yeah. So he just you know she. Prior to all that, uh, Nana sees dream at night and wants to be with him and so she asks the bird to go steal the berries from the sun to like you know like so yeah. she could visit dream and that's where she realized like oh shit you're not a mortal man you're this thing i can't be with you but at that point this is the first time that dream has actually been loved by somebody that he refuses to give up on it because he was being kind of a creepo for sure. A bit, yeah. Yeah, just stalking her. is like, no, I'm going to marry you. you know, like, and then, like, she didn't want any of that, but she still loved him. And then, like, they bone on the rooftops or on the rocks or whatever. Yeah. Um, she kills herself. She kills herself on the after rocks. After, because she was a queen of the kingdom. Yeah. And it and it disintegrates or blows up. Well, yeah, because he can't be yeah. with a... He's not even a god. He's more than a the god. Endless, yeah. yeah. But he ends up like, you can't sleep with an endless and have like things be okay. There are consequences. And the entire kingdom is just destroyed with meteorites. Morpheus gives her, I forget the actual name he gives her. Because like, every culture and every people every, see, dream, like a, perceive a, him in a different way. Yeah. And so in this whole folktale, he's like a black man with like flames on his cape and like yeah. whatever. Morpheus tells her, be my, be, marry me. I'll make you into a goddess and blah, 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 and whatever. And she says, no. She kills herself. And then he, at the very end, he goes, you can only deny me three times before I punish you. Like, you know, wh- what's it? What's it going to be? And she denies him. And so it just leaves, like, this whole white blank. And then, like, that's the end of the panel. But if he you read the first issue, he sent her to hell to be punished for, like... Yeah, forever. For, yeah, I think it was... It was... 10,000 years? Some, and she only been, like, halfway through it. Or not even halfway through the time he was there. He, he said, There's the one with Ken and Barbie, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why it's called, that's partially what's called the dollhouse. Yeah. But he said that these stories were about women and men's attitudes towards women. Wow, dude. Okay. And then about how the house, and he goes also, it's about the houses and walls that people build up around themselves and each other for protection or imprisonment or both and tearing down those walls. Dude. Okay, this makes more sense now. Holy shit. That makes more sense because. Uh, the next issue starts with Rose, and she's asleep, and everybody keeps talking yeah. that she's the vortex, and we don't really know what that entails until later on. Yeah. But basically, her grandmother she was one of the people who was asleep forever. The, and she was raped while she was asleep, and that's how how Rose's mom was born. Because of all of this is going on, like 
the mom meets the grandmother. She's actually, like, I believe she's dying at this point. Or not yet. She's, she's just sick. She's sick. They meet her. And then later on in the story, she ends up dying. And she's waking up. She's waking up is what it is. Because everything happens. She's just waking up for the first time. And she wants to reunite with her family. She's never met her daughter. She's never met her granddaughter. Yeah. So she wants to meet everybody. And then there's another... Rose has a brother out there somewhere. Jed. And so she ends up figuring out that they're in Florida. Yeah. Before they go to England and see Unity. Yeah. So, no, they're already seeing Unity. She goes to find Jed and bring him back. And so she goes to Florida because that's where she kind of, like, is kind of detecting this whole story out. But then, like, she ends up staying at this house. Like, this, like, boarding house that they end up being at. And that's this is where we meet Matthew for the first time. The, the crow. Yeah. Which is a servant of dream. And so he's just kind of always keeping an eye on her because the dreaming is trying to, like, rebuild everything. But at the same time, it's like, now this vortex is coming up and Morpheus is super nervous of what's going on because mm-hmm. this happens once every eon, I think is what he said. Yeah. And so, like, so they got to, like, figure out where it's at and take care of it before it gets out of control. That's where we meet this collection of just people living in this house. Cause yeah, because get... uh, Rose is going to Florida to try to find Jed. And while they're there, though, um, because Jed's in some house somewhere, but you also talk about Jed. Jed's having those, the dreams about the superheroes. Oh, yeah. And, then... and how he's having the dream about him and... Um, not him, but he, he's... Yeah, he's seeing the superheroes. He's seeing, like, the original Sandman and Hippolyta. Oh, yeah, that's right. And... Um, and then she's about Glob to have a baby. She, yeah, Glob and Brute are there. Yeah. But she's about to have a baby. Like, she's been pregnant for, like, 13 months in this dream world. And so she's, like, the original Santa Man's husband. Yeah. And then what happens is that Dream, like, sees the original Sandman, laughs in his face, and just fucking kills him and just disintegrates oh, him yeah. right there. And then tells, full-on tells Hippolyta, I'll be back for my kid. Yeah, that baby belongs to Dream. Like yeah. I'll be back for it. Yeah, and then she just breaks down in hysterics and is just is gone. But uh, as that's going on, because that's kind of like what the whole yeah, storyline yeah. is. You get the house, and then you get uh, Zelda and her sister, the spider sisters that live upstairs. Yeah, uh, you got Gilbert who lives at the very Fiddler's top. Green. Yeah, Fiddler's Green, and then you get Ken and Barbie, and then you also get I believe the I forget the main guy's name that runs the house, but. Um. Hal or whatever. No, Hal's the other guy. But anyways, so you got all these people living in the house, which was pretty dope too, but the story is just like, this story was written maybe late 80s, early 90s. I forget where it's at. Yeah. I mean, very progressive that they have like, like a gay character, two gay characters in the stories. Yeah. And they don't play them stupidly, maybe with the name because they think it's cute, but like the Ken and Barbie. But like, one is a drag queen and like the other one is kind of like whatever and they live together. And it's kind of like, First time reading a comic book where it's like they mentioned gay characters and it's not been. I think like, it would have been like mind blowing for me if I read it when you when you read it like twenty ish years ago. Yeah. Like for me now I'm just like oh it's 2019 like and I'm not saying it's bad that it's bad in there I'm not I'm not trying to take yeah. anything from it I'm just saying like it wasn't that revelatory. Yeah. As when I was younger reading this like I forget how old I was when I first started reading these but it was like. Well, at this point, like I felt like I was, I was an adult because I'm reading this like story about like you know gay characters in this story, and they're not making fun of them, and they're not background characters. They're actually like characters, characters in this story, and like so it's like like and I thought they were making fun of them with the whole Ken and Barbie thing, but like they're both independently just strong characters too. And then I like how like later on in the story, once like you know Dream is like obliterating like all of this like stuff and kills the original Sandman, who's the ghost 
just trapped in this bubble of, of a dream that uh, Glob and Brute created to hide away because they wanted to do their own separate island of dreaming. But they end up getting caught. Shit, dude. Like, that's where, like, you realize, like, Rose is the vortex. And the vortex is just this thing that exists every once in an eon or a millennium where it pops up and it breaks down the walls of dreams. So it starts making everybody into one collective dream. And then so as Rose is sleeping in the house with everyone, all the weird characters in this house, she's we're visiting people's dreams. And we're visiting, like, Zelda and her her vision of her and her sister and then her sister I forget the sister's name about how she wants to like be somebody else and you see Ken who is like living this like rich fairy tale like world dream and then you get uh, Ken who is basically into like money and porn and power yeah. and then like it's just like you, and then like you see all these different people breaking down and then all they're seeing each other in their dreams and they're freaking out and people are, are like once like at this point Morpheus comes in and is like okay cool I need to I need to kill you. you you're to the point where like you existing causes like this vortex and it'll destroy everything so yeah. like, it'll wipe down entire like universes just because you exist and so that's when the there's grandmother there's a lot more before that because you're back into the convention oh yeah okay hold on let me finish this up we'll talk, go yeah. back to the convention so uh that's where the grandmother comes in and like she's about to die and then you have this moment where like shit the grandmother's gonna die Rose is gonna die and Jed is still missing you know what I mean yeah because you have no idea what's happening and then at this point like the grandmother dies goes and she dies in her sleep so she's in dream in the dreaming and then she sees Rose and tells her that she's the original vortex and to reach inside and just give me your heart and then like whatever and so in the dream like she just and she pulls out the same it, heart thing that they the, the glass same heart. glass heart from the beginning of the story yeah and gives it to uh the grandmother and then like dream takes it and snaps it and the grandmother dies at that moment mm-hmm. and then like rose is allowed to live but yeah prior to all that um the, the way they go find jed they are going so they're looking around it's it's the, it's um it's gilbert and Rose looking for Jed. Yeah. And they end up going to a hotel, and at that hotel there is a convention for serial killers. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Corinthian comes in. And that's when the Corinthian comes Ooh, in. Oh, okay. so, hold on. Let me Go jump ahead. into the Corinthian. That's my favorite scene, too, where I was like, what the fuck is this? Because, like, yeah. it's the these two guys. It's just a random, like, cutaway to a different scene, and then cuts right back away. But it's, like, two Guys just in the alleyway and saying, "Hey, you looking for a threesome? Because me and my buddy, if you have the money, we could do a threesome right now." Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I got the money." And then he goes, "Oh, it sucks for you." And they're gonna go rob him. Yeah. And like you know, but when they do, um, you get like the POV of like the Corinthian just like attacking these two like guys. Yeah. And then like one's missing his finger and the other one or whatever, and it cuts away to the Corinthian when he takes off his glasses and he's got. Uh, mouths for eyes yeah. and then he talks about how uh, Sandman talks about how this is his like pinnacle of nightmares like this is like his creator so like you know and then this leads into that whole serial killer convention yeah and the Corinthian is supposed to be the romantic spirit of serial killing oh okay um, and it's a 17th century slang for like uh, for a licentious rake uh, who does horrible things like frequent brothels and, and things like that but he doesn't have sex with anybody though he eats their eye, the eyeballs specifically the eyeballs of little boys 
Oh, hence why it was the two guy, the two gay guy, or I don't know if they're gay, yeah. but like how they kind of lured him in. No shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and this is crazy too because then it talks, it gets kind of weird and twisted too because they even so- talk about like the the. The big guy with the rabbit ears is supposed oh, to be Fun Mickey Land? Mouse. Yeah, Funland. Yeah, because Funland, yeah, it's, it's fully supposed to be Disney. Okay, and they so, didn't. yeah, so I I know for a fact there's a lot of shit going on with, like, Disney where, like, stuff has happened. It gets kind of, like, situations happen at Disney. Disney's really good at just kind of just taking care of things internally, and, like, a lot of people don't know what's going on. But you have to acknowledge that, like, there was probably some weird shit going on at Disney that no one ever talks about because yeah. I've been online trying to Google stuff, trying to find like old 1940s, 1950s like stories of like security issues or like people getting kidnapped, and you don't find anything. So it's like, yeah. but I mean, you can't have a spot like that and have not this type of thing ever pop up. You know what yeah. Mean? But yeah, I know the serial killers are crazy, and I like how like one of them lied, who was like a serial killer fan. Uh, the boogeyman, I think, yeah, is right. Yeah, yeah. And like he lied to join this convention, and then like basically they find out he's a liar, and they and they just, they, just kill they kill him. So and then like you get Rose that's there with Gilbert, and they're just staying there for like the night. But then like something happened with like Jed, so they had to stay there because they can't move because they need to track. Jed's him. at this point uh, been taken. Whoever had Jed, it was is his, now with the Corinthian. Well, what, okay, so what happened was Jed has been missing. Jed lived with his grandfather, who seemed like a nice man. And then he passed away, and so he ended up living with his aunt and uncle. But his aunt and uncle were just like horrible. locked up, yeah, horrible, horrible with him. Locked him in the basement, and then just used to beat him and torture him, and then left him there to like defend himself with rats and stuff. Why they collected eight hundred a month to take, like, you yeah, know, so whatever. So like, that was a trip because I read that John Joseph book that he wrote about his like his yeah. his story of like uh, what was it, evolution of a Cro-Mag? Yeah, and he talks about his trials of being on a foster care situation and the abuse that he took from his foster parents and, like, all that shit that he went through. And it's so weird to see this book talk about Jed in a foster kind of home with yeah. his aunt and uncles and the same kind of abuse kind of happening there. So it was just kind of like a weird, like, dude, that's a trip because, like, now, I, from reading that book, I get, like, a deeper understanding of that trauma that could happen with that. And so it's just like, dude, this is fucking... It was, it was a rough read reread going over it again now for this like podcast because like I felt super bad for Jed at that point but like yeah he's he's living there uh once uh with a glob and brute of the dreams yeah. that break away whatever and Morpheus destroys the dream and destroys that bubble and is like kind of like okay you're free and like tells her like I'm gonna come back for your kid uh Jed is just free to go and then by the time like that's when the Corinthian ends up like picking him up on the side of the road and throws him in the trunk. And so this entire time, Jed's been at the serial convention just in the trunk of his car. And, like, dude, that's a trippy story. I like that whole, like, yeah, convention thing. Um, and then, so, on the slip of paper, it said Morpheus' his name on it. Yeah, and then so and when so the, fun man, the, fun the fun man is trying to attack her, um, he, she says, Morpheus, and Morpheus takes care of the fun land. Just, yeah, pops into, pop into existence. Yeah. You know, Saves Rose, and then like, that's where the whole death scene with her grandmother happens. But yeah, dude, like that one, the dollhouse, trippy story. Yeah, this is also the storyline where editing told Neil Gaiman uh, people don't masturbate in the DC universe, and he replied that that explains a lot about the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Uh, so the next volume, that was volume two, volume three is... Oh, you know, there's one thing you forgot about in that, because there's a Shakespeare part in that storyline as well, where he does meet Shakespeare for the first time as Dream, but he also meets Hop. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's just a quick couple panels in between scenes, but yeah, yeah. he does meet uh, Will Shakespeare and if, for the first you, time. If you don't, and when he's talking to um, Shakespeare and Marlowe, uh-huh. he wrote it in the iambic pentameter that Shakespeare would write things in. So if you read the dialogue, uh-huh. it's done just like Shakespeare's writing. Like it's uh, done in that yeah. same format. Oh, uh, okay. Of like, you know, how his writing was and how it was, how the, there's like the, the beat to it. Uh-huh. It's done in the exact same way. So, hold on, I'm a little confused now where t- things are in this book. So, um, so, so the guy the guy bit. that he makes immortal is in this. It's Hob. Hob, he's in this, yeah. right? He's in... Yeah, that's the first time you meet Hob. Yeah, and so Hob so, is just a character that he ends up like... He doesn't want to die. And he believes that he has the will enough to live that he doesn't have to die, so... He meets him every hundred years. So death and dream meet him and then they kind of grant him immortality yeah and so you see him like every century or so where it's like he's, he's like great. he's doing great super fantastic he's dirt poor he's begging for death but he doesn't want to die yet and like he's just kind of like yeah dream is just letting him live his life however he wants to and it, to goes, it goes up and down because at one point since he never aged they thought he was a witch yeah, oh, yeah. they tried to drown him yeah and then at one point he's like really rich because he was really rich and he but he did it in the slave trade and like Neil Gaiman Neil, uh, uh, Dream calls him out on it. Yeah. He goes, "That's a shitty way to make money." Yeah, and, and like full on calls him out on it. And so by I think by the next time he had stopped doing that, like by the next time he saw him, he, he yeah. stopped. He got out of the slave trade. I think he's still alive, right? Like they yes, left him still, alive. He's so. still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so yeah, so I thought it was a pretty dope like thing where like he has this meeting and then he gets insulted. When this mortal tells him like, "Oh, because I'm your friend," and you dream yells at him like, "How dare you call me? Like, I need your friendship." But in the next century, he's like, "Hey, bud." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the next one. You no, know, because he tells him he calls him out. He goes, he goes. Well, we'll see. Because if you're my friend, you'll be here next time. Next, yeah. In the next century. And then he calls him friend. friend at the end. Yeah. Uh, so what's the next story? Uh, dream Country. I actually really like this one. These a lot. are fun, and I, he did this on purpose because he wanted people to be able to catch up. And like he wanted, he, he to get new readers in. Oh, he okay. The so he's the shortest story, so okay. he can kind of get them in. Uh, if you like, they like the short stories. They wouldn't be too lost, and they can go back and read the other ones. Had time to before get a new, a new before, story arc. Because this is one of the this is one of the ones like immediately they started printing out like volumes of this. Okay. Also, they start printing out volumes because. Um, I believe Sandman became one of uh, Rolling Stone's top one hundred books to read or whatever and then so at that point DC is like uh, Rolling Stones like we'll put you in Rolling Stones because like you know you're part of the list so give us an ad and we'll advertise whatever you have for this and, they, so and they're like and then Neil Gaiman's like I don't really have anything we're still writing the stories and then so they're like okay well we're gonna start making volumes and so that's when they started so making, DC, the so DC started making the volumes so this is the first time they've actually made volumes for a story that's not actually completed yet so they were just kind of like uh, okay cool send this out because I believe they were done with issue 8 at the time and they're like where's this story going to go next and the old game is like I have no idea uh, yeah. he, he's writing it as it goes along so he's just kind of like and this is where like it blew up for the old game and at this point because of like Rolling Stone really liked it and then like all these people are starting to like uh, watch it too even like Neil Gaiman uh, was said in like in an interview in early conventions these guys would come up to him and shake his hands like thank you so much you brought women into the comic book store 
because it used to be just mainly males. Well, this is the one comic that he he says is um, was transmitted sexually. Oh. Because he's talking about how boyfriends would, guys would buy it, yeah, and then the girlfriends would read it, and then they would break up, mm-hmm. and then the girls would end up keeping the okay. Sandman comics, yeah, 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 and then they would give them to their boyfriends to read, and then they would end up keeping them. And it would some he said these there's stories where oh, they go around that's that way. Super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, because when I date people, I'll be like, oh okay, cool. Like I'll throw a couple comics like here and there just cause like Yeah. Yeah, read this or whatever. And like, you know, I've had comics like taken and like they've gone off of them. But yeah, that's actually super funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dream Country. Dream Dream uh Dream Country. Dream Country is uh basically uh where the fairies come in. We're like, yeah, they do the the Midsummer Nights. Uh, that's the third one. That's there's, the third there's, one. There's four. The first one is the Calliope. Oh yeah, that's right. So Calliope is uh, one of the muse that Homer from Homer's yeah. Odyssey uh, met, and basically she gets captured in like the early 1900s by this guy who uses magic to like entrap her, mm-hmm. and then so basically he becomes a very like famous author. But at one point we have this new author who's coming up, and he's wrote just one great book and everybody loves it and like everyone's hounding him for like his second book and he hasn't got anything he's got nothing so he makes a deal with this old man for this woman yeah and then you realize like it's Calliope this muse and so he brings her back to his, his house and then like he doesn't know he wasn't sure what she was but he ends up like raping her and every time he's finishing raping her he can write he can write and like everything just opens up in his mind and he could just he's writing Another story after story, writing scripts. And writing it's gold. Like, Everything comes out. Everything's gold. gold. Everybody loves him. And then it gets to the point where, like, he has all this wealth. And then, like, finally, we find out that Calliope once dated Dream. Dream she begs, himself. well, she begs for her sisters to come help her. And they're like, yeah. he ensnared you with, like, the right spells or whatever. We can't touch you. Yeah. This so is what you, whatever. They have Dream come and yeah, take so, care of it. So she finally, after like three years, because like she says, I'm never going to call him. And then three years later, she goes, Ah, Dream, uh, yeah. we'll help here. And then like the way he fucks with that guy is he so keeps him good. Up forever. Like he makes him stay awake forever, right? No, well, he gives him endless ideas and oh, endless right. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the next time we see the guy, his hands are all just bloody and whatever because he just needs to get these ideas out. So he's writing with his bloods on the walls. Yeah. And his hands are all broken from typing and writing. But he can't stop just spitting out, like, ideas and, like, concepts for books and stuff until he finally, like, frees the girl. And then I believe Dream just fucking lets him sit there with, like, that... With his, like, endless stories until he dies. And, like, it's just a fucked up way to go. But I like how, like, this story is, like, where begins to start pulling things from everywhere because, because now Greek him, mythology is coming in here. Well, doesn't she call him out on the whole Nada thing also? So, I, I feel like I feel like she calls him out. Oh, I felt whole, like she was bitching more about her own relationship with I, him. I thought I felt like she was, like, calling him out on the Nada thing. Well, yeah, because he was saying that he's immature and doesn't know how to, like, deal with relationships. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then, and she brings up Nada, doesn't she? She kind of goes, yeah, what about Nada or something Oh, like that's that. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, like you have Greek gods coming in, the Greek pantheon coming in. You have later on in the story, you have the the Nordic gods coming in as well. Yeah. You have like just like everybody's coming in because you even have the fairies, and the fairies is my favorite part. So, what's the second issue on this the one? The second issue is the Dream of a Thousand Cats. That one's dope. Yeah. I really like that story because this is where it's just like 
you kind of play with the whole concept of dream and like how everybody sees dream in their own way and then like this is a cat who it's the story of a cat of a house cat who got pregnant by some other like random tomcat and then they had kittens and then the owner's husband took the kittens and drowned them in a sack in the river and then like she felt her cats die and she wanted revenge and then it's the journey of that cat's revenge to whatever so she's like begging for revenge and then she goes into his sleep and then like they tell her if you want your revenge like you should go see the lord of cats and then so like it's the dream cat it's the dream cat and so like they go all the way down to like the thing they have a griffin a dragon and a unicorn guarding the gates of like you know dream and then like i like how it just has this, like this epic this hero's journey where like you know like you she forgets who she is and then she remembers her deal but she keeps on walking to dream and then like dream is just like she's asking for revenge and all this stuff and he goes i can't do that and she goes i asked i she needs uh revelations and dream cat was like oh i could give you that that's part of that's part of dream and then just gives her what she needs to know and then like the story is like once before cats were like the pets of humans cats were giant creatures and like they tormented and played with like humans uh, like mice and killed them and whatever but all the humans gathered together and had the same dream where like they were in charge and just like that everything existed from the beginning of time to now that humans are now the one in charge and the cats or whatever yeah. so like the cat know, knowing this truth knowing how dreams are how powerful they can be is going around spreading her message to all the cats and all the world traveling through like boats to like yeah. spread her message that if we all keep the same dream and we all focus on it we could change the world and I thought that was such a dope like thing because like that's the Martin Luther of cats right there yeah <laughs> this is the I have a cat dream yeah, and it's so cool. And then at the very end, I like how that story ends too, where like the cat's like sleeping. And I'm like, what the hell is that cat dreaming about? And it's dreaming about like killing humans. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was super cute. And then, uh, then the fourth issue on this one is the, th- the that's the second issue. Oh, the, the third second. issue is the Midsummer's Night, the Shakespeare. One. Yeah, and that one's dope. Cause, well, because Dream had told him in the last volume when he met Shakespeare. Yeah, he told Shakespeare, "I I can make you famous, but you need to write two plays for me." Yeah, and this is the first of those two plays. Yeah, and it's like uh, this one. It's basically the troops coming in. William Shakespeare's son is there. And, yeah, and then like so they're all kind of like spending time together, and then uh, they decide they're gonna like have the dream comes out of nowhere and says we're gonna have the play here so get it together and then so it's like okay cool i'll call the audience and then like it's the fairies it's the fairies because the the doorman opens the door in the hills and all the fairies come out and then like so we see all the fairies and hobgoblins it's kind of like the muppet show of the of shakespeare kind of yeah a little bit yeah it's kind of like a muppet show-ish type thing where like you see the kind of behind the scenes of everything people commenting on it like Hamnet's on there talking about how his dad's really distant from him and Like, it's starting up all those storylines and things like that. But it's kind of like the Muppet show. Oh, for sure. Especially with, like, the Muppets where, like, they'll attack, like, a human, take over its their scene. Just kind of like how Puck just took over, like, himself yeah. and became whatever. But I loved it because, like, it has such a very deep Shakespeare structure to the whole thing. All the proses, they pull in, like, actual words from the plays and put it in the script. And then, like, you have Oberon there with Queen Tatiana. And, like, how, like, they're, like... They're literally focused on it, and they're like, this is not how it went, this is not how it goes, and they're like, no, but these are just ideas, and ideas will make you live forever, and this is the way men will remember you for 
for this age of man. Like, you know, and it talks about how, like, how dream works. It's not about getting the facts right. It's about getting the essence of it correct. And that will live forever. And that will, is malleable, just like dreams. And you can shape them any way you want. And, like, it's just, like, I, I fucking dug it. I fucking dug it. And especially, like, the, in the, the intermission, that's where you see uh, the queen, like, go up to, like, the little boy and is like, oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah. And has him eat the fairy fruit the fairy food and he takes a bite he's just like I want you to live in a distant land with me and blah 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 because that little boy went missing in history so I like how Neil Gaiman just kind of tied that whole situation with him going into the fairy world and I'm like dude like it's a trip like how they just play with like, all this stuff and then like I believe they even like talk about like Hamlet how they wanted to uh, or not Hamlet uh, Ham Hamnet Hamnet and how they wanted to take him like as well to the fairy world you know what I mean and it's just yeah, kind of like and then because he was all ready to go, and then they're like, "No, no, it would really upset your father." Yeah. And then he's just like, "Well, if I just died, my dad would probably just make a play at me." Like you just see where plays are starting to like come up, and concepts of different plays for William Shakespeare's coming up. Because you get Morpheus coming up to Shakespeare in the intermission, saying like, "Hey," um, they're talking about different stuff, saying, "Oh, this is gonna make fucking Kit Marlowe so jealous," and he goes, "Oh, your friend's dead. He got stabbed in the head." And yeah. then, like, Shakespeare's just devastated. Like, what the fuck? Like, and then you realize, oh, this is how Shakespeare found out about Marlowe because it was James who, who told him. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, I thought it was pretty dope. And then, like, it ends with this whole, like, I like how it ends with Puck, how he takes over, like, the, the guy who's playing him, and then he puts on the mask, and, like, he's whatever. And then yeah. there's him doing the Midsummer Night's Dreams, like, monologue of farewell. And I'm like, I thought it was a fucking great little thing. And then, especially like the last panels of it, he just gets creepier and creepier with the grin and his red eyes. Like, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then the last one was called Facade. And that was the one where the, that lady can, her face keeps melting. Oh, yeah. That's the, where they start bringing in different gods, too. Well, that's that's, a, she was a superhero. Yeah. And so she can make anything into gas. Mm-hmm. But she can't die. So she talks about how she wants to commit suicide but she can't she wants to shoot herself but it won't work and she wants to like you know everything she, she even talks about like throwing herself in the middle of a nuclear test range right and like yeah. but then she'd be afraid she'd be radioactive and then no one will ever talk but to her but her faces keep falling off well cause the, the thing is yeah. she makes faces and she yeah. puts them on but they're fine and soft and malleable but the thing is like her body makes them hard and they just fall right off and then so like that's why she uses all her mass as ashtrays yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And then, but I like how it was very much like she's begging for death throughout this entire story. And then, like, she's lonely. I feel super bad for her, too, because she's got no one in her life. You know what I mean? And then, like, she's begging for death. And then finally, death comes by. She goes, Oh, I'm not here for you. I'm here for your neighbor upstairs who fell off a yeah. step stool. But I heard you crying, so I just came in. Yeah, and, this is where she actually she tells her, you, you, you people always hold on to old identities, old faces, and masks long after they've served their purpose. But you gotta learn to throw things away eventually. You need, you make your own hell, and your life is your own. Yeah, no, dude, I love it. these books. Have just strong quotes. Well, like every, the whole thing. Like that's every, and I'm not shitting on it. Like that, that's yeah. every Neil Gaiman book. Like there's some great fucking things that are said in those Neil Gaiman. And then like, but like it's great that death is the one who's saying this. You know what I mean, like it's it's perfect. And then like, finally she tells him like the god, the old gods exist. This is where I think where Neil Gaiman was kind of playing with the idea of American gods. And I feel like. I've always thought that this this land this universe coincides with the American gods oh yeah like I feel like it's it, they can go hand in hand yeah because like the thing is like she tells them the gods are there like if you want to talk to Ra cause like talks about the orb of Ra is what caused her to be 
who she was, yeah. this, like, thing, this immortal being. Because, like, Death says, like, the other metamorphosis guy lived to be 2,000 years old, and she doesn't want to live for another 2,000 years. She's done. She, but she tells her, like, look into the sun, talk to Ra, and he'll listen. And then so she honestly just kind of stands there, and she starts talking to Ra, but then she starts praying for it to end. And then she turns into like a pillar of, of ash, and then because she's burnt by the sun, and then she's dying. Yeah. And then like, I thought that was such a fucking cool like, like okay, gods exist and everything's going on. Like this is where this universe is just blowing up to like yeah. this bigger thing. But yeah, and then like so the next one after uh, Dream Country is Seasons of Mist. Season of Mist. And this is where you meet almost all the other all of them. There's one in Endless you don't see. Yeah, so we meet all the other Endless at this point. Uh, we get Desire. We get dream. We get uh, it start. This one starts off with uh, destiny, mm-hmm. who's reading his book, and then you get who am I missing? Delirium's in here. Delirium's in here. Da, uh, what's the depression one? Uh, depression. No, it's delirium, despair. Despair, despair. So it's delirium, delight, or delirium, but she was once delight, desire, desire, death, death. Dream. Dream. Despair. Despair. And there's... There's uh, Destiny. Destiny. And then... There's a seventh one. Yeah, and we haven't met him yet. Yeah. But they keep referring to him because he quit his job. And yeah, so that's he was like, I'm out. Yeah. Destiny at this point is like walking through his garden and he's like realizing like, oh, okay, cool. We all need to have a meeting in time. He goes like, shit, we need to have a meeting. And then because he runs into the fates, mm-hmm. the three sisters who have been prevalent throughout this entire story just popping in and out. Yeah. And so he ends up going to everyone's like tokens and calling them telling them to come in and so they all sit down they're like okay cool we need to have a meeting and they're like great what's this meeting about I don't know but we need to be here for yeah. this moment so we're here and then like Desire is the mom, catty little is, bitch yeah catty little bitch yeah. <laughs> um, and this is proud and dream about his love life you know talking about because he wants to see Calliope yeah. and he's calling about on the Nada thing and yeah. he's kind of being an asshole about it and he, and then he dream gets pissed off. Like, he gets pouts and makes sense. Like, fuck you, bitch. And he walks out the room. Yeah. <laughs> and then Death follows him and goes, yeah, you know, Desire's a dick, but he's not wrong. Oh, well, because the way, like, it kind of, like, I like how it happened where, like, Dream's just being a pile little bitch. He goes, like, yeah, he fucking attacked me and was talking all this shit. And none of you backed me up. And he goes, eh, he's got a point. You're kind of a dick. And he got mad. He goes, you're also a dick, too. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then, like, so she checks him and then he realizes, like, you know what? Let me fix this. And at this point, this is where he's trying to become more honorable in the what in all his actions. Because mm-hmm. at first he was just kind of doing what he wanted to do and just whatever happened. But now it's like, okay, I need to be and more honorable. And at that point, they kind of bring in the part that he doesn't really die because like that. Yeah, the that, co- that iteration of him would die. Yeah. But it would be another another aspect of him will fill his shoes. Yeah, like so. These endless will always exist, whether that entity or that being of him dies or gets corrupted or whatever happens another the universe will correct itself and make a replacement and so that's why like because at this point he has to he realizes shit he has to go back to hell because he has to talk to nada and at this point he doesn't know what's going to happen so he prepares tells everybody i might be god for a while but he has to come to the terms too that like if he dies that's the better option out of everything because yeah. if he's trapped in hell then like that's it like he there's no dream you can't like dream will always exist and he's there but it'll be just like he was in the first issue where it's just like this just endless yeah. yeah and then um, but when he gets there Lucifer's like I'm out yeah well they send Cain uh, the first of man to go yeah. down there to give his lesson 
and I like that whole like where you see hell for the first time like actually see it where it's like they tell him the envoy tells him like oh this uh, messenger from the dreaming has come and then so they like they want to torture him and they can't and then like Lucifer steps down and I love his like bat dragon wings that he has and his like blonde hair it just he looks like a awesome like drawing but when he comes down and sees Cain he goes oh like you know dream was smart to send you here because he's he starts quoting the bible and starts talking about how he's marked by God to like you know always be like whatever and then so at this point he realizes no one can harm Cain that's why he sent him to help because these demons are ready to tear him apart but then Lucifer being Lucifer just doesn't give a shit and just starts fucking torturing him and then just kind of showing them and telling them his like things and tells him yeah tell dream he's welcome and I'm ready for him but I like the two the fact too where like Cain is like telling Lucifer's like he's giving his royal decree from dream like dream blah 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 and then Lucifer's I'm d- done with the shit give me the context I don't need anything else it goes okay cool tell me I'm, I'm ready for him yeah yeah that was pretty dope at that point dream just goes into hell he goes to the main gates yeah. He goes. He goes he through. Gives him the key. Yeah, he goes through. He goes through the gates, which is Legion, and then like he's there, and he's like, "Okay, cool." There's no one there to greet him, and then like he just knows where to go, so he just like disapparates mm-hmm. to where he needs to be, and then like the cells are empty, and Nada's not there, and then like he realizes as he's searching, there's nobody in hell, and then like you see, and then Lucifer pops in, and starts talking to him, telling him it's like, "Oh yeah, just to let you know, I'm closing up shop, so." everybody's gone he goes where's everybody he's like I don't know not here I dismissed them and then so you realize all the demons all the things that existed in hell all the souls he just threw them out so whether they're in limbo or heaven or wherever they are they're, or earth they're not in hell and yeah. so like at this point you're just like, like what the fuck what does this mean you know what I mean and then like I like that side story where it leads into the schoolhouse the oh. the, the school that's on the... Oh, yeah, it's the Dead Boy Detectives, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, that one was super dope, too, because it's, like, it's a sad story about this, like, kid who is, like, living in this, like, boarding school during summer, like, winter break. Yeah. And his dad's, like, gone. Yeah. Because he's in the army, so he's just kind of there. And then, because all the souls of hell are, like, gone and all the demons are gone, like, they're repopulating the earth. So, like, you get, like, all these, like, ghost children living in this, like, haunted boarding school. And, like, the shitty teacher that was there. The shitty teacher, the headmaster, and then, like, the the current headmaster's mom comes in and makes him into a baby again. And, like, is, like, giving him bass and, like, doting him. And then, like, there's no more meals. And I like how the story kind of slowly progressed where, like, there's no more breakfast, there's no more lunches. And then, like... He's living with the ghosts of the dead boys that died in that school or have no else place to go. And the kid ends up dying. And that kid ends up dying and then like he but before he ends up dying, he meets a little boy who was sacrificed by three bullies to like the devil. Mm -hmm. And then like those three bullies come back and they're torturing him and then yeah, he ends up dying and then like the boy that died in the attic refuses to leave the attic because his bones are still up there and he doesn't want to leave them. Yeah. And then like the kid who just died of starvation and like being bullied by the ghosts yeah. that are there um, he goes yeah well my bones are here too and my body and hair and whatever like you know it's like we gotta live and they're like I like how they he gets the other ghosts to like you know like live his life you know what I mean yeah. and, then his, and then so they step down from like the, the attic and they go outside and they decide to become detectives and they just kind of go off into the world like, I thought that was such a cool like yeah it's a cool little thing to do yeah yeah 
And then, but yeah, it, it back in hell, like Lucifer is like, I'm done with this shit. He goes, I don't need to do this anymore. Like, you know, it's like, I've dismissed everything. There is no more hell. So, and he gives the key to hell to Dream mm. and tells him, like, you know, Dream's kind of like, even reading this, you're thinking, like, oh, is this a trick because he's the father of lies and there's all this other bullshit? But it's a burden to have the keys of hell. And then, so Morpheus finds that out through this whole volume. Jerry's like honey potting them to get them to hell. Oh, yeah. Because you get the fairies coming back from all this time, going into the dreaming, uh, telling him, like, oh, blah, blah, because he's the guy's offering, like, his sister to him because the queen doesn't want her anymore. And it's, yeah. like, a bad token to give back a gift to the fairies when, like, whatever. And then, so then you got Loki, Thor, and Odin coming down, and, like, you know, trying to get the keys. Yeah. And then you got. Nubius and Bass coming down from the Egyptian gods coming over and then that's a dope scene too yeah. where it's uh, Thor who's this big bulking man with a tiny head and he's talking to Bass and he's like oh and Loki's like I'm banging in Thor's wife yeah he goes like oh it's like do you like my hammer it grows when I rub it like like this puss cat like it's it's so dirty but like it's I mean it, it, it works in this whole like pantheon of people and then like you get demons who are wanting back and you get Asriel who comes back too who's like whatever mm-hmm. and then like but this entire time like we have no idea where Nada is cause like she could be just lost and whatever yeah. and then but like as everyone's trying to buy dreams like favor for the keys of hell uh, you get the angels too that live in Silver City yeah and then they come down and ask you for the keys and whatever <clears throat> and um, after everything Dream is giving a banquet to everybody having everybody welcome so they can you know, be there, yeah. and then he'll make his decision tomorrow, like, who gets the key, and, like, you realize, like, shit, everyone's bugging, everyone's kind of be more kind of treacherous in their, like, whole things, and, like, the fairy, one, like, he was, like, when he showed up, he goes, oh, blah, 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 and Dream's like, yeah, thank you, whatever, and he grabs him, and Dream gets pissed off and just snaps at him, he's like, I'll make my fucking decision tomorrow, bitch, like, get off yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was pretty cool, and then, like, he ends up having the talk with the, the angels from the Silver City, and they were like, um, what was it? He goes, oh, I got a message from the creator. So now you got God coming into the story, and God's talking through the angel to talk to, like, you know, Dreaming, saying, like, you yeah, know, okay. there needs to be a hell. Like, regardless of what's going on, like, this has to happen. And because of that moment, Dream gives the keys to the angels. Yeah. And then so they're like, okay, cool. And then he's got to then tell everybody else what's up. Everybody gets pissed off, and that's where, like, Dream has his fight with Asriel. And then, the, so that's that pine cone, many eyes being. And then, so at that point, Asriel revokes Dream's, like, you know, hospitality. And then, so the, he goes into, like, Asriel to, like, find the demon and also find the demon that took Nada and then find Nada herself. He ends up getting Nada. And then, at the one point where he finds her and tells her, Touch my hand and you're free, that's where Asriel just says, like, Oh, I'm a demon, FYI. Just to let you know, I lied to you. Fuck you. And then, like, he's thinking about capturing Dream and devouring him slowly throughout the eons. Yeah. And then, but since he revoked his thing and they're in the dreaming, he's all dreaming. So, like, you know, he ends up, like, shoving him in a glass bottle like a genie, telling him, the fuck, are you going to stay here for a bit? As, like, uh, he That's releases fine. Nada. And then, like, then they, what leads after that, it's the the angels taking over hell and how they're making small changes in hell, trying to get them to. Mm-hmm. acknowledge that they don't need to be there because there's a scene in hell where Lucifer and Dream in the beginning of the story meet this guy who like he's cut the tongues of his enemies and like 
like murdered the unborn babies and fucked and raped like the yeah. the women and whatever. And he's in hell with like all these like needles holding him to a boulder as he gets whipped by demons. And he's like, he goes, I deserve to be here. After he's dismissing everybody. Oh, he doesn't have the mouth. Uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's the other. That's that's the, the, yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's the daughter of Lilith. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But, um, so that guy's getting whipped and whatever. He, and then like Lucifer's like, I dismiss you. You don't need to be here anymore. And the guy says, no, I need to be here. I need to be punished for the shit that I've done. And he goes, no one has, no one knows who you are. Everyone's forgotten your name. The people that whatever are long dead. Why are you punishing yourself here? You don't need this anymore. I'm done with you. Be gone. And he goes, no, but I need it. And then Lucifer just gets tired of his shit. What? And he just what? literally <laughs> banishes his shit. And then it's kind of like, this is a trick. You know? Yeah. And he just banishes, he just releases him. And then it's kind of like one of those where it's like, you kind of see, because like, Neil Gaiman really relies heavy on the Dante's Inferno of like Lucifer, where yeah. you're you're being punished for the crimes that you've done, and this is like kind of like the different layers of hell and whatever. And so it's kind of like it's kind of weird to see it influenced and kind of twisted to fit the storyline, but like it's a dope story. The concept of hell is dope. The angels from Silver City are now like the ones in charge, and they're like slowly changing hell for the better but there's still torment and everything else but now there's a slight reason behind everything for penance you know what I mean but I was dope and at the very end of the scene is where we get uh, because like when Asriel comes in like right before the battle dream the, since they're in dream the dreaming uh, Morpheus already knows that the demon is inside of him and so is Nada he can see and feel everybody so it's like his deception is was off the table from the beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, but then at the very end, he, where he has that, the meeting with her, he, where, like, Matthew is like, the fairies want to stick around. Uh, so does uh, that Japanese guy. And, like, <clears throat> and whatever. So he goes, like, he goes, they want to stay longer. And she's like, that's fine. And then, like, Matthew comes in and goes, like, uh, also, Nada's upstairs. She's being taken care of. Like, but she, like, you know, what should I do with her? And, like, Dream's like, uh, let her know that uh, I'll be having dinner with her and we'll need to talk. And he goes, okay, I'll let her know you want to talk. He goes, no, I don't want to talk. But we're going to. But we're going to talk. And it's uh, and that was a cool little moment because it's like, and then like that moment where he has the two of them, it's a very like boyfriend meeting ex-girlfriend for the first time after a breakup. And after that, sending them to hell and to be whipped for eternity. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, the huge. The and, and then you're having that awkward conversation where he goes, I may, have over, I may have overreacted. <laughs> so, so how My bad. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, fuck you, you overreacted. And then it's like this whole thing. But you can tell there's still love in that room. You know what I mean? She's still, she smacks him and fucking like, it's in his face. But then she kisses him. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like this, like, there's still, they come down to an agreement that he can't leave his life to be with her. And she can't leave her life to be with him. To be with him. And now they're at this standstill. And they've come to terms like, okay, we're both we're both now adults. We need yeah. to handle this maturely. Like, I'm trying to be honorable. How do we fix this? And then it's, I like how it's kind of like... It's a very relationship type of story. Yeah. I like it. I think it's good. I think it's good. So that's going to go for the first... That's the first, first four part, issues. First four uh, volumes of... Of Sandman. But yeah, this is like one of the reasons why I chose this story for you because I think it's like it's Neil Gaiman. I know you like Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. but this is like no rules. He could just do what he wants yeah, and he could like really. Yeah, jazz Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. And then the I characters mean, he comes out. I would say the same thing about American Gods. Yeah, and then for 
being dreaming, he is all story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, where can you take stories? You can take them anywhere you want. Like a fucking serial killer convention yeah. story. Like, who would come up with that? But it's just one of those... He was talking about, like, how he came up with the concept for the serial killers is that he was at a convention for, I believe... No, he was at a dinner thing for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks, he talks about it in the, in the handbook. Yeah, and then how, like, you know, he was there, and he just thought, like, I wonder if serial killers have, like, you know, conventions. Yeah, and then he, they, no, he was at a Comic-Con. He was just at a Comic-Con. Oh, was it? Came up with the oh, okay. Because yeah. I was listening to him talking about uh, the Pink Floyd guy who passed away. Roger or, Roger or No, the Terry Pratchett, Terry Pratchett thing, and then he was talking about how um, he was at a... Talking to the guy from Pink Floyd who did that whole whatever and then they went out to like this like dinner thing and then that's where I came up with the idea but yeah so wow that was a long episode yeah it'll be a good long Thanksgiving episode for you guys yeah so hopefully a long weekend (laughs) there you go Hey, Forrest. So I got a surprise for you next week. What's that? Uh, Lucas is going to be here, first off. Awesome. And second of all, we're going to be covering Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. So Lucas hasn't seen it. Me and Forrest are super excited to go over it with him. And uh, I can't wait. Me too. Such a good movie. Yeah, stay tuned, guys. Okay, everybody. Well, that's it for this week. If you want to contact us, Forrest... You can go to our Instagram at yhblankthat, or you can email us at yhblankthat at gmail.com. Thanks. Bye.